0: We're at a much higher start point than general public who just goes to the gym and does weights, etc. cetera. Because classes, group exercise, no, it doesn't need to be Les Mills. It can be anything. It guarantees intensity. It yeah. guarantees your heart rate is going to be bouncing up and down for 30, 45, 60 minutes. And then you take it to the extreme with instructors and participants who are maybe doing two classes back to back or three classes back to back. And the reality is, most people's half marathon time is between two and two and a half hours. If you think about, you know, your typical Westwood member or David Lloyd's member on a Saturday morning, they're maybe doing a body pump class followed by a body attack class. Mm-hmm. Some of them are doing spin before that, then body pump, then body attack. So they're already working for three hours. Yeah. So that means when it comes to something um, technically simple like running, you don't need to build up the cardiovascular fitness it's just there you just need to get used to the impact over 10 minutes and then 30 minutes and then 60 minutes um so it's really interesting that you know you said that unprompted and that you've you, you like it's true you've experienced
1: hello ricky how are you doing man
0: I'm good, Otto. How are you? How are you, my friends?
1: I'm good, all good. Now, I want to ask you how your triathlon went. How was uh, the whole experience of, um, you know, cycling, sorry, swimming, cycling, running? And so tell, tell us a little bit about your experience. Uh, careful, you know, there's only one thing uh, worse than a, a CrossFitter or a
0: vegan, and that's a triathlete. As soon as you ask us to talk about it, we will, we will. So yeah, it was really good. It was a month ago now, so it's um kind of lots of time to decompress and pick things out. Um, And like it's, you know, it's obviously, it's a 14-hour event. So like different things from it, you know, like you remember different things. So for example, I've had other conversations and done, you know, spoke on me on podcast about it. And then even this morning, I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever spoken about that. Um, but yeah, really, really good day. So rather than me like kind of bore you to death because i I could literally talk you through the fourteen hours um like what what is it that you know what what are the big questions you would have
1: from it? So, what was your um sort of preparation, and then uh, what what would you let's say from point of view of um, what would you do different uh, and and how your training paid off, let's say, you would Aww. be running is like, oh, I wish I was doing more of this. Is there anything <laughs> that you go like, with little regrets that you could do better?
0: Um, Yes and no. So my my training for it was, for, and I'll probably repeat myself from some of the things I said in your last podcast, um, yeah. but like my objective from doing the Ironman initially was, so for those that don't know, Ironman is a two and a half mile swim 112 miles cycle and a 26 mile marathon in kilometers that's 4k 180k then 42k um and my objective at the start was this is 2018 by the way um was to do an iron man um without doing specific training i wanted to use group fitness classes and just general gym training just prove it could be done then all the gym shut and mm-hmm. iron man training like running swimming in the sea And um, biking was the only training I could really do, other than like doing burpees in my living room, which I I soon got tired of. So I actually got really into the training. Now, as a side note of that, I got injured twice, and that was both to do with running. So I got the same calf injury twice. So, in preparation for the training, I lost at the start. I couldn't run for like the first six weeks. And then because the marathon dates, sorry, the, the Ironman dates changed, so I was originally meant to do the Cork Ironman in August, it got cancelled. So I ended up doing the Eastbourne Ironman in July. So I lost another four weeks training. However, my swimming and my bike was in a really, really good place my run was not where i wanted it to be but i knew that going into it so it like wasn't a surprise how that felt or anything um so the only the only thing i would do different is not get injured and be able to do more like running in the prep that's like the the only thing and and again just to go off on a little bit of a tangent the first time you do any like big endurance event it's my belief like you need to like immerse yourself in the training and do what the books say and then that means like the second the next time you do it like you'll know what you need to do and what you need to prioritize
1: so what yes. it is you need to prioritize and what do you need to do
0: so what i would specifically be doing is i would do less during the week and more at the weekend so i'd only be doing 30 45 minute sessions during the week and I'd work. this is for swim run bike by the way I'd work on power output, I'd work on, not so much heart rate zones, but I'd definitely be traveling faster. And then at the weekend, that's the long, slow endurance stuff. Um, And that I know would get, you know, my times down, that would get my average speed in the endurance section. But I don't think you should be doing that the first time you do it. Mm -hmm. I think you should just be concentrating on getting the miles in, not how fast you're doing the miles.
1: Wait, you we mentioned that uh, you wanted to use uh, classes like Les Mills classes. So, which yeah. classes do you think would be the best? I would say body pump would be really good for your legs, just to yeah. get that strength and endurance. What else would you suggest? I think
0: the two obvious ones would be RPM and body pump. Yeah. Um, so, for for those not familiar with either, you know, obviously RPM is on a bike, commonly called the spin class, and it's forty five minutes of cardio intervals. Um, and then body pump is strength endurance, you know, light weights, high reps. So both of those are want to help with that endurance. The other two, which I would have used, would actually have been sprint. Mm-hmm. It's harder on a bike. It's like hit on a bike than RPM. Um, I want to say another two actually here. Uh, grit, any of the grits, because just high-intensity interval training. Um, and what I actually did with my calf injury is I actually started doing a lot of body attack in the house. Because with body right. attack, you can really, because I needed to still get my heart rate up and get myself used to my heart rate being up and doing cardio, quote unquote cardio. And you can control your impact a lot easier with body attack than you can when you're running, for example.
1: You have also options um, there.
0: Yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. There's loads of those options. And and it's interval training as well, which isn't ideal for running, but it's, it is ideal when you're nursing a calf and you don't yeah. want to do 45 minutes of impact mm-hmm. you know on a typical body attack workout you're maybe only doing 15 20 minutes of actually impact the rest of it's you know stepping lunging etc etc you know you've done it.
1: yeah 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 and actually <laughs> i i want to add on this one because i've done it few times when i actually became instructor 9 years ago I haven't been on a bike for around a mountain bike. I was doing trails and, and some endurance, obviously. But I remember I was so busy with classes. I was teaching 12 classes, mostly spins, body pumps, body balance and CX works. And I, after four months of not biking at all, I shaved, uh, there's a lap in our local trails and I was in the race and I shaved 15 minutes out, uh, out of one hour mm. 15 and I haven't been on the trail itself. I was just doing Lesmos. Yeah. And also I r- realized when I was uh, preparing for uh, hikes and when I was doing body pumps and spinning and all that stuff, I could do eight and a half hour hike, no problem. And then mm-hmm. after lockdown, when I was just doing a little park park workout and I went into the Mourne Mountains in County Down. yeah, And so I was failing big time. So uh, I really believe that, you know, you really have to have that endurance part of the training to be able to do endurance event
0: yeah that may i love that you touched on that because that was part of my message in in 2019 when these ideas started to come to head so i turned up and did a marathon with only ever running a half marathon like two weeks before mm-hmm. um because it's it's my belief that see people who do group exercise instructors and participants instructors yes probably more so because we're less likely to like miss a week's training um but participants exactly see see our start point to do something cardio based so endurance We're at a much higher start point than general public who just goes to the gym and does weights etc because because classes, group exercise no, it doesn't need to be Les Mills it can be anything it guarantees intensity. It guarantees your heart rate is going to be bouncing up and down for 30, 45, 60 minutes and then you take it to the extreme with instructors and participants. You're maybe doing two classes back to back or three classes back to back, and the reality is most people's half marathon time is between two and two and a half hours. If you think about, you know, your typical Westwood member or David Lloyd's member on a Saturday morning, they're maybe doing a body pump class followed by a body attack class. Mm -hmm. Some of them are doing spin before that, then body pump, then body attack. So they're already working for three hours. Yeah. So that means when it comes to something um a technically simple like running you don't need to build up the cardiovascular fitness it's just there you just need to get used to the impact over 10 minutes and then 30 minutes and then 60 minutes um so it's really interesting that you know you said that unprompted and that you've you, you, like it's true you've experienced it
1: yeah i was like i was shocked realizing how much <laughs> i had this is the thing about classes that you you, you 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 know you always find them hard and even though you don't really feel you progressing because it's like, you know, once you're adjusting for a cold water, you don't feel, perceive it as cold or hot water. You don't mm-hmm. perceive it. So it's the same with fitness, I think. When you, when you are conditioning yourself all the time, you always feel it's hard because you're always pushing that little extra, but you don't really notice uh-huh. it as much. Only when you lose it, you realize, oh, wow, now I can't do this yeah. because it's just too much.
0: Awesome. Yeah. For, like, for anyone listening, see classes in your gym, they guarantee intensity, so like at the very, very least, do your weights workout in the gym floor, and you know arrange the time so as you're coming in to do your gym workout thirty minutes before a class starts, and then all of a sudden you're going to leave that gym having worked much harder than you did normally.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. So mm-hmm. now we can touch a little bit on your injuries. Uh, so mm-hmm. how would you, how? you recovered that, what methods would you use? Would that be like foam rolling, stretching, strengthening certain areas, just re- recovering with uh, yeah. time off?
0: I, th- I think what's best to talk about here is I've um, I've I've been injured since the, the triathlon. So about two, three weeks beforehand, I was feeling the hip, like my, my right hip. Um, and I became aware I had a, like a tight IT band, fine. Little bit of rest, little bit of foam rolling, that's fine. But after it, um, like I haven't been able to run since because my IT band is so tight, mm-hmm. it's it's pulled my knee. And when I went out on like a little recovery run, because my knee was so tight, it just pulled all of it, like the tendons through there. And I think I've got either a medial ligament, cruciate ligaments, and what's the outside ligaments on the knee called? I've temporarily forgotten. Yeah, cruciate ligaments go... R- yeah, the medial anterior, ACL? medial. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, ACL. I think it's the medial ligament that's pulled and the patella tendon, so they're a little bit tender at the moment. So yeah, in answer to your question, what I'm doing specifically for that is my routine every night, nine o'clock, hot water bottle on the IT band, get it warm, then I lightly foam roll it, then I get the massage gun out, and I do that quite
1: you, you firm. Do that too. That's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. for about. 10 minutes or so Um, then I would foam roll it a bit more Mm -hmm. um, and then just like light IT band stretches which are really really I don't know the split opinion IT band stretches can you actually stretch stretch the IT bands
1: properly it's not like yeah not when you're on your own
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah true as well
0: Uh, you need you need someone like who's got a massage bed so they can manipulate you Mm -hmm. as you do it so yeah I'm kind of doing that 20-30 minutes every night um feels better it does right now I feel like I could go f- like for a run um but there's like no real need to so I did make that promise I'm not going to run the whole month of August um but yes yeah, so that's feeling good other injuries just to, to touch back on what we said like I wasn't overly sore after the day itself and I think a lot of that is again if you've trained your whole life you're kind of you're always in some sort of state of DOM, some state of pain from you're not <laughs> from the last workout. So there was nothing after the the Ironman which I was worried about. There was stiffness, there was soreness, but there was nothing I can sit here and say like I've I've been in worse states after workouts. Mm-hmm. You know, after so there was a Les Mills event when we did five grits back to back. Like I was in a worse st- I was in a worse yeah. state the next day than it was after Man and that yeah. was only two and a half hours, and Man I did was 14 hours. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And just because you touched the massage gun, and also we mentioned the uh, palm roller, so what do you think there are different benefits? Because the massage gun vibrates at high speed, and it's just really different, and the palm roller, you can really push a lot of pressure on, on the one particular area. What would you think is that Difference in the benefits w- between the massage gun. And-
0: um Well, uh, let me pre-context this. This is what I say say to people when people say, "Oh, foam roller doesn't work, massage gun doesn't work," blah blah blah. And I say, "Right, okay, I hear what you're saying, but if you do a basic quad stretch, so foot in the hand, put your heel into your bum. Where do you feel the stretch? And you'll that person will then do that, and they'll point to the part of their thigh they're doing. The, they feel the stretch on, and I just say, "Right, you've pointed to that little tiny spot on your quad." What about the rest of this muscle? Because you're not stretching it right now. You're stretching the tightest point. So in answer to your question, what the foam rolling does, it allows you to iron out the rest of that muscle. It allows you to stretch the rest of that muscle. You apply pressure to something I'm showing you. If you apply pressure to something, it's going to stretch it as it goes down. So it's going to stretch apart. So that's what a foam roller does. Um, And then what I particularly like about the massage gun, I don't think that's as good as trigger point therapy. You know, when you get someone in, like with yeah. a knuckle or an elbow, yeah. um, it can replicate that. And what I really like for it is it can just create such a blood flow yeah. and it can get your muscles like really, really supple. I would suggest, I haven't done this, but I would suggest that before anyone goes and lifts really heavy in the gym, set squats, I would say if you spent 10, 15 minutes with your massage gun beforehand, Mm -hmm. just on hamstrings glutes quads i would i would suggest that you would lift heavier or at least feel better yeah with what you're lifting because you're just going to get so much muscle stimuli
1: yeah, I actually had some really good uh, examples of using a massage gun in my training. I went to a park and I had like two-hour training where I was mixing the stretches and the massage gun in between to recover my muscle faster. And I even felt I had a bit tight shoulder and, and when I was doing like body combat style, you know, jab cross, and all that hooks, I felt the shoulder is just getting very tight to the point of almost injuring it. And then just one minute massage gun immediately immediately ease it up. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna pull a muscle. And then, you know, with clients as well. So, you know, it's just for someone, the, uh, the foam roller is very awkward. If somebody is big, heavy, it's awkward to get IT bands, even you know. Mm-hmm. So for them, you know, I always recommend massage gun. It's just handy tool. Yeah, it's 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 convenient as well because you don't have I to work, you don't have to work so hard. It's electric power and yeah. just the vibration. So definitely for loosening muscles. So I'm glad you mentioned that that you use it as well. So yeah, I yeah. only share the the good tools that can help people because you know I only realized, uh, I only learned about it a year ago following another trainer. And and when I at first I was skeptical as well, but when I got it, I'm like, you know what, this is a very handy tool. It could be very well used.
0: Yeah, and there's more brands out there, people, than just Theragon. I think the Theragon's like four, five, six hundred pounds to buy. Like if you have that, that spur cash, go ahead, go get that. But there's other brands out there for a tenth of that price.
1: Hundred euro is enough, yeah. Yeah, hundred twenty.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's where we're at. That's where Otto and
1: I are at. <laughs> yeah, just like a high mid range. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So Ricky, uh, with the nutrition. So if you if you give us some tips, what you ate the night before? How was your nutrition sort of adjustment to that event? And and what did you mm. do during? The event. What type of nutrition uh, hacks did you use?
0: Yeah, with, with without making this too lengthy, my nutrition didn't start like the, the day or night before. It started about three weeks before, um, and I'm not just talking about carb loading. I think carb loading itself is a little bit um, what's the word i for? Glorified. Like essentially, all carb loading is if you if you eat a certain amount of carbs, say the day before an event. Just eat like one and a half times your normal amount of carbs. You do not need to be too scientific about it, and it will not make your event easier just because you have more carbs in you. Um, but yeah, two, three. hours. It was it. It was a plan of mine to drop a little bit of weight, and when I say drop a little bit of weight, like an extreme amount of weight, about three weeks beforehand, because the theory was, and I kind of half tested this. I'll keep my power, I'll keep my strength, but if I'm lighter i actually improve my strength and power. Yeah. So I went for, in about three weeks, I dropped close to four kilos, maybe closer to five kilos. So normally, like right now, I'm sitting 90 kilos, that's kind of where I'm good, I'm happy. Um, I was about 86 kilos the Tuesday before, so five days before. And then when you start to carb up, for those that don't know, um, you, the more carbs you have in the body, the more water you have in your body, so, you're going to actually be a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I was about 86 kilos the week before, the Tuesday before. So, on race day, I would guess I was 87 and a half, 88 kilos. I didn't weigh myself the rest of the week, but I could feel uh, big. I could feel heavy. I felt good heavy. Um, and yeah, like the day before, um, sort of get, again, just the to, to context on the Friday, the two weeks beforehand, what I did is I really increased. My, the amount of plants in my diet. And I've actually since kept doing this. Um, I don't eat meat now until dinner. So dinner is my first meat. And I'll still have animal products during the day. It's it's like a weird kind of, I'm a part-time vegetarian, I guess, <laughs> not part-time vegan. <laughs> um, and that was just it was the two things. It was a way for me to control the calories. And you'll just, if you eat a certain amount of vegetables, like in my case, not enough vegetables, and then you start eating enough vegetables you will feel better mm-hmm. it's not it's not rocket science you just will vegetables are good and i'm like i'm not um, promoting a juice diet or any point it's like if you eat vegetables you will feel better than a time you did not eat vegetables and if you tell me you don't like vegetables i'm calling you a liar mm-hmm. everybody likes vegetables we're humans we're presupposed to like vegetables anyway i'm going off on a rant um <laughs> and yeah, honestly, see the, the two, three days before the weather forecast was um extreme. It was gonna be thirty degrees heat, which anywhere in the UK and Ireland, that's extreme that's weather hot. conditions for yeah.
1: us. Yeah, there was e- feels like e- forty in continental Europe. Really. Yeah. It does.
0: And e- even the day before in certain parts of mm-hmm. London, there was a stay at home morning for like don't go out in, in the heat, not stay at home because of COVID here. Well we're well past go that stay at London. Yeah. So the 2 3 days beforehand I was just getting in extra water. No real science behind it. Just always making sure I'm drinking water. And the day before I was drinking a lot of Lucozade Sport just straight off the bottle, or straight off the shelf. Um extra carbs in, extra sugar in, um electrolytes all that. You know, no real I wasn't weighing anything out or anything like that. Um but what I did do on the day is my bottles of Lucozade Sport so I put two bottles of liquid sport in a water bottle, and your know, energy gels mm-hmm. for them into the bottle.
1: Okay, and so that have to was open what up I, anything afterwards, just convenient. Yeah,
0: exactly. So that's what I was drinking a lot of on the bike. So I can only estimate how many like carbs and sugar was in that. I so like, do, do not do that as part of a normal diet. Do that yeah. if you're go for a hike through the morns or something like that, yeah. or something like yeah. that. I would highly recommend because it's so dense. And it's so fast, it's hydrating you. There's carbs going in, glucose going in, sugar, electrolytes. Um, I even put in uh, some crushed up caffeine tablets.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and actually, let's touch on that, uh, on caffeine during the endurance event. Um, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you feel more dehydrated? Wouldn't you feel a bit dizzy? Wouldn't that upset your stomach? And wouldn't that make you crash after a while? Or you can sustain it for such a long period of time? It's
0: it's funny you said about the stomach because that's what a lot of people suffer with on endurance events. It's actually trying to keep moving and process food. My stomach is so resilient. I have never had a problem with that. I, I'm more likely just to have a wee burp with a little bit of sick in it. So I'm not worried about that at all. Um, but yeah, caffeine, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a coffee or wouldn't have a Red Bull or anything like that. So I would, I just have little caffeine tablets straight, straight from my protein. They're the equivalent of like a, a double espresso. Just so 200 grams of 200 grams? Milligrams. 200 milligrams. Yeah, not 200 grams. 200, 200
1: milligrams. 200 milligrams. I think it's like four coffees now. I think coffee is like yeah, but, 50 milligrams, isn't it? I don't know.
0: Depends where you buy your coffee. You need to come to where <laughs> I buy my coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yes, just a couple of those. And the, the strategy was I was going to have one of those as soon as I started the, start the bikes. So, it, um, so the, I knew the swim was going to take me an hour and a half. I'd had my morning coffee fine um swim was going to take me one and a half hours and as soon as i was on the bike i would have that drink with the caffeine in it and i knew round about the halfway point of the bike i was going to have another caffeine tablet and then i would have another one like kind of during the run because i also knew during the run there was going to be a lot of feed stations with a lot of coke a lot of um electrolytes um, etc so caffeine wasn't what I needed because ca- caffeine's a mental stimulant it'll help you in some ways get a pure blood flow you know it's a vasoconstrictor so it'll help you get a pure blood flow but it doesn't actually give you your muscles energy we need carbohydrates for that we need glucose for that so you know what I do sometimes laugh you know like you see cyclists going out on the road and they'll cycle for a couple of hours have a coffee and cycle back I'm like you didn't actually just put fuel into your body there. Like you might have enjoyed your coffee and it's a good social event. Great, happy days. Keep doing that. But see, when you're having your coffee, you know, have a sandwich or something. You know, have you know, have have a donut. Get the carbs in you. Get yes, the sugar in you.
1: There's actually something I realized when I was doing uh, marathons on the mountain bike as well. And uh, you know, if you go to these feed stations, uh, these refill stations, it's all sugar. There's nothing else, yeah. just sugar. And that could be anything from oranges to candies to jellies to anything that is sugar chocolate, you know, whatever that there is. Um, But that's really what's used. And the problem is that a lot of people, young people drinking sugar, Coke, eating donuts and playing computer games while they're sitting. Yeah, that's the problem. So so this is the extreme from actually from endurance athletes to sedentary Uh people like the sugar is Uh a killer if, if you have excess sugar and you're not using it up, it's just pure fat.
0: Yeah, you know, my analogy, I love that point. It's my analogy is imagine a car. So you're driving your car and you put a full tank of petrol in it. And, you know, you got 50 litres of petrol and then you cannot put any more petrol in. But just imagine if you try to put more petrol in it starts to spill out onto the, the, the forecourt, right? Imagine it didn't spill into the forecourt. Imagine there was a hole in the top of your petrol tank, right? And if you put more petrol in there than that tank can take, it's going to go into your seats. It's going to go into your foot wells. It's going to, you know, go on the steering wheel and all that. That's that's body fat. It's the same analogy. If you put more fuel into your body, we're we're talking about sugar specifically because um, the the thing about sugar is, as you know, I'm t- talking to the converted, like there's so many calories in such a small amount of food. There's so much sugar, so much carbohydrates in such a small amount of food where you could easily, I could, I could polish off four or five donuts, no problem. And the reality is that's probably about 3000 calories and if i'm not moving it's just going to go everywhere isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 now next one was about did you have any anxiety any uh, sort of stress prior to the you know i remember you you were posting videos you, you were taking taxi there you were getting there like a day before just so you can relax and then so did you have any anxiety uh, before or during and Mm -hmm. then on to really top this up this question how did it feel at the end and what kept you motivated mentally good
0: good questions um so i went down it was in eastbourne south coast of england that is a a straight line that's a 10-hour drive from where i live so i Started traveling on the Friday, stopped in Birmingham for a night in the hotel and then did the next like three hours on the Saturday morning races on the Sunday. Uh, Saturday, checked into the hotel, um, had to go down to where the race was and you register, you drop your bike in. And I knew people who were doing it, I knew Michael who'd been coaching me through it. Um, now, th- this, this is self-awareness and I've learned this over time um and i learned this at les mills events as well so i'll I'll double back to the les mills events in a second once it registered i was standing with michael and and his girlfriend michelle wife michelle and some of his friends who you had not noticed before now what i haven't told you about michael is michael competes ironman so michael was not only hoping for a pr for himself he was if he had a good day he was hoping to win it Mm -hmm. so that's the sort of level he's at as were his friends and they're all getting like talking about race tactics and transition tactics. Mm-hmm. They were all about to go out on a ride. They were going to like ride part of the route, and I'm just standing there thinking I'm doing a very very different race to them. <laughs> but because I was talking to them all, I was getting immersed in it, and I was starting to like feel the, the there's 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 no difference between being nervous and being excited, like the physical, um, the physical emotions are the exact same sweaty palms heart rates racing that kind of feeling of you know your fight or flight mode you, it's just what you tell yourself if you tell yourself you're nervous you're nervous tell yourself you're excited you're excited um just a quick one but i started to notice myself getting quite nervous i felt nervous i wasn't feeling excited at this point but it's because of the environment i was in the self-awareness i was in so what i did was i just made me excuse and i said right guys uh, you know i'll see you tomorrow and i went back to the hotel and i had to tell myself i've done this before, mate. I'm excited about this because the only difference I'm doing is I'm going to do each of these for longer. And then i got Netflix on my laptop, I had a beer, I had a bag of crisps, I had a burger. I'm just like, it's just a Saturday night. Just enjoy it. Cause so I have to win, and enjoy it. And like their goals were to win the event, were to set PRs and all the rest of it. My goal was to enjoy it and complete it. And if I started trying to adopt what they were talking about, cause it all made sense. And I've banked it all. It's in the memory. I I would turn it into a race for myself, and I would be uncomfortable the whole time. And I'm not joking. See, when I was swimming, I was smiling the whole swim because I was just enjoying it.
1: Nice. And yeah. then, did you have any a part of the race where you felt like, "Oh, this is too much," and did you have any doubts that you can finish it?
0: So I I don't know if you're aware of what happened to me on the on the bike, the end part of the bike.
1: No, no. So not I got lost. Sure. Are you? Have you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, this is terrible for the podcast listeners. I'll try and explain it. So we had, we had to cycle 30 kilometers out of the city and two, two like big loops, right? So there was loop A and there was loop B. Loop A, we were meant to do four times. Loop B we were meant to do two times, right? I had done loop A twice and I did loop A, loop B once. And so what i forgot to say see these these loops there's the same intersection that you go through which is where the feed station was met really really well organized the problem for me was once i finished loop b once and i've done the other loops twice i was three and a half hours into it like you're not thinking cognitively and you know you have to choose left or right on the road and i stopped i did not know whether to go left or right the signs are there if you've you know If this is the first time you've been here, go right. This is the second time you've been here, go left. I stopped. The race marshal was there, and I said, I don't know where to go. He asked me how far have I done, and I said something like 80 kilometers long distance. So long distances, I'm doing Ironman distance, because the mid-distance was going on on the same day, and he he, he pointed that way. So he pointed to his left and my right, and I went, cheers, mate, and I went that way. Backtrack. On my watch, I had the race map on my watch, right? So had I been going the wrong way, my watch would have beat at me. But because I was still on the race course, my watch didn't beat at me. Mm-hmm. So I was in the right place. I was just like 40 kilometers too early. I mm-hmm. should have done the other loop once. Both loops I needed to do one more time would now worked out. So anyway, I got lost and got back to the start line. And they waved me and I knew, by the way, I knew because there was a big hill and the, the race course was quite flat and I knew the hill didn't hit you until you were out of the two loops and I knew I've, I've messed up here. Um, so when I get to the race start and um, they're trying to wave me off the bike and I just said to the race marshal, who had already had a bit of banter with the day before, and I just said to him, mate, I've up, I've gone the wrong way here. And I said, what are my options? And he basically said, you can quit. You can do the mid-distance or you can cycle 30 kilometers that way and come 30 kilometers back. But if you do that, you're doing that unaided. So all I had on my bike was a bottle of water that soon went. So obviously it was option three, cycled that way, 30K, cycled back 30K. Um, But I was so dehydrated by the time I got back. Honestly, Otto, as soon as my feet hit the floor, calves and hamstrings went into cramp better than that when I was cycling you know when you're just cycling you're going downhill and you just hang a leg straight my quad was going into cramp wow. as it was like I wasn't even moving and it was yes overworked but the heat was you know 28 29 degrees um I just so dehydrated so I started I quickly knew I would not be able to run the marathon just knew straight away I was hoping for a four-hour marathon no way was I going to be able to do that because it was cramping up. I finished the marathon more hydrated than what I started the marathon. So how come? It was a 12K loop that you were running. I did that three times, and every three or four K there was feed stations. So what I was doing, I was running 800 meters, walk 200 meters, times 42. And every feed station I went to, I just alternated, you know, had a lot of water at that one. The next one, I'll have a lot of electrolytes, a lot of electrolytes. That one, the next one, I'll have Coke and crisps and food. I'll get food into my system. And I just kept doing that. Like the, the run, the run was not hard. There was never a part of me thought I wasn't going to complete it. It was just a matter of when. And that that was the only thing that was in it. Now, my hamstrings were so sore from the cramp in the first, like, say, five or six K. I did have to ask the marshal just to double check, what's the cutoff point here? And said 18 hours. So I was doing all that maths in the head, right? What speed do I need to average to make sure I get 18 hours? You know, thinking worst case scenario. And that that's what you have to do in endurance events. You need to have plans and strategies. What's my best case scenario? What's my worst case scenario? You know, what's a good day look like? What's a bad day look like? If this happens, what do you do? Um. So I already had, I was hoping to run the first 13 miles and then adopt the walk-run strategy to get a four, four-and-a-half-hour marathon. That's what I was hoping for. Turns out I had to do walk-run from the start and it turned out to be like a six-hour marathon, which isn't winning any prizes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, well, eventually you finished that. So that's interesting. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> eventually, yeah. So, well, uh, thank you, Ricky, for sharing your... Um, you know, uh, progress and uh, feedback on your triathlon, and it will be mm-hmm. nice to hear more from you. Some some other stories, and we'll follow you on the uh, next uh, event. And you know, it's a pleasure to get some good uh, training and nutrition tips from you. Yeah, not a problem. Enjoy the auto always. Thanks very much, man.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, I'll catch you soon.